Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. Well, John, I think we have an awesome show lined up here today. Um, as in- always. Interesting information, as always. You know, the latest in tax tips and Social Security tips. We're going to start off here with um, the tax saving marvel. And that is HSA plans. Um, you know, these uh, potentially are going to get even sweeter mm-hmm. coming up as the um, Obama administration looks at the Trump. Sc- Trump administration, excuse me, looks at, you know, uh, expanding those sure. with the new, um, you know, tax changes they're talking about down the road. So we'll see. Um, but it's very interesting. I mean, these are just the, the best tax savings vehicles. Yeah, it's the best on the planet. Account really. out there. So we're going to talk about some of the ups and downs of that and, you know, how to implement that. And, yeah. And we're also going to look at Social Security a little bit from the uh, early retirement. We have people that occasionally have saved well and uh, maybe they're out of debt and they're like, hey, I want to retire at 55 or maybe even 60. And um, But you got to be careful. You got to understand what that means from a Social Security standpoint, because it does drastically change it if you take it early. So we're going to go through a couple of different scenarios. Yeah, Social Security is very, very important to today's retirees. So you want to stay tuned for that. Um, by the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner at Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro with over 20 years experience providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis, also a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro, and I have an MBA in finance, and I've been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 20 years. And we're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every week on uh, Fridays, and uh, you can go pull those right off our website. Yeah, go to our website, moneymd.net. Um, we actually have the podcast on the right-hand side. You can listen to it. We uh, post the uh, past shows on there, so you can uh, not only hear this week's, but Go back and listen to some of the old older versions, and we have it categorized as well. So we try to make it easy for you to listen to The Money Doctors. Absolutely. Also, we'd love to have your emails. You can email us directly at info at moneymd.net. Um, and we'd love to we'll answer those questions on the air. Um, but we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, this comes from a study that MetLife just performed, and it's a positive sign. 34% of American workers anticipate they'll have a different job uh, with a new employer within 12 months. So, you know, you look at that and, um, you know, turnover is always costly for, for businesses. And then sometimes what businesses have to do is increase wages and benefits to keep people. And when there's a lot of jobs in the economy, people are going to, they're looking and they're, they're going to leave. So um, it's a kind of a positive indicator um, that the economy is doing fairly well. It is. It's also, though, as an employer, it's kind of depressing to think that, you know, 30 employees might be thinking about changing jobs mm-hmm. within the next 12 months. just shows how how transient our society is now. I mean, folks don't don't plan to stick with jobs for, you know, decades like they used to in the old days. And part of that's because pensions have gone away. Yeah, I just saw a story about IBM. They had um, people working at their homes. That was kind of a trend, you know, many, many years ago. And now they're saying, hey, no, no, you need to come back into the office. So I guarantee you some of those people are going to be leaving. You mm. know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, right. So they're right. saying, hey, you got to be in the office to be employed by IBM. So that's a big that's a big benefit being taken away. So it sure is. But just some of those people are in this survey here that they're going to look for a different opportunity that uh, you can work from home. No kidding. Yeah. But that's an interesting fact of the week. No doubt. All right, and that leads up to our first topic here, and that is HSA accounts, the tax-saving marvel. Um, yeah, John, this is based on an article out of CNBC here recently, Tom Anderson, and 
You know, health savings accounts, I mean, they've been getting a lot of attention lately as Congress, Trump administration, you know, worked to replace Obamacare. And one of the things they've talked about in there is about expanding mm-hmm. HSA accounts. Yeah, the problem for many people is that they have no idea sort of when to use these tax-advantaged accounts. And that really could hurt their retirement because there's some great benefits here that you need to be taking advantage of. I mean, health savings accounts, they offer triple tax advantages. Triple. Triple tax advantages. We'll go into what that means here in a little bit. 49% of people with HSAs, they don't know that they can invest their money in accounts according to a Fidelity uh, investment survey. In other words, they think it just has to sit in cash Mm -hmm. and they don't know they can invest it. But assets in HSA accounts are estimated to reach more than $53 billion by 2018. That's less than a year here. And um, that's a 20% increase over this year. So they're growing rapidly. Yeah, they really are. Unfortunately, like you mentioned, half of the HSA users, they didn't know they could invest the money. Um, Again, that's a survey that Fidelity did recently. What's worse is that 38% of the account holders didn't know that there are, are triple tax advantages. I mean, first of all, contributions put in are tax deductible. There are no income limitations on that. Second, those contributions can be invested and they can grow tax-free. So there's no interest or dividends that are being taxed. And finally, if they're used for qualified medical expense, such as doctor's visits, prescription drug or dental care, there's no taxes on any of the money that you pull out. So it is the only account in the marketplace that has these advantages. It doesn't get much better than it that. It doesn't. I mean, no, it's tax deductible going in, tax-free yeah. coming out, grows tax-free. Like like Gee whiz. It. Yeah, we do. We'd like to get those bigger. Yeah, there's no account that has better tax advantages, they say, um, you know, because uh, – you know, I mean, there are other tax advantage accounts out there, but they don't offer all three of those together. Mm-hmm. And that's really the key. With traditional IRAs, 401ks, and workplace retirement plans, your contributions aren't taxed. I mean, they're tax deductible going in. Um, they grow tax deferred, but you pay taxes when you take the money out. You know, for Roth IRAs um, and Roth 401ks, you pay taxes up front on your contributions. So you enjoy tax-free growth, tax-free withdrawals, but it's not tax-deductible when it goes in. So the HSA account combines the best of both worlds, and that's a pretty beautiful thing. Yeah, the catch with HSAs is that you have to use a high-deductible health plan. Um, you know, such as uh, such plans mean that you have to pay a deductible of at least $1,300 for individual coverage, $2,600 for families, this year, so the maximum 2017 out-of-pocket cost for for uh, uh, HSA qualified plans is 65.50 for individuals, 1,300 dollars for families. No account has better tax advantages. Not not every uh, high deductible plan makes people eligible for an HSA account. Uh, the confusion about high deductible plans is it makes it harder for people to embrace HSAs because, it, I mean, it does add some confusion to it. Yeah, and they're also new. They only came out in 2003. Right. So it's not, I mean, that's not, it hadn't been around for 40 years. Um, you know, and it's unfortunate that it's confusing because HSAs, they can definitely be a powerful retirement uh, savings vehicle. I mean, Fidelity estimates that a 65-year-old couple retiring in 2016 would need about $260,000 to cover health care-related costs during retirement. Wow. 
you know, so if you have 22 years of retirement, that's about a thousand bucks a month. So an HSA, you know, can cover that cost and it's completely tax free. So most people view retirement as just, you know, fun, but there's also obviously the medical piece of it that you have to account for. Yeah, I mean, Kathy and I have been contributing to HSAs, as I've mentioned to you before, um, for a long time, for over 10 years, and we don't ever use the money. We just put it in, and I view that as kind of a kind of my long-term <clears throat> care policy, mm-hmm. you know? I just put the money in, maximum fund it, and just leave it, let it grow, invest it in equities inside there as long-term money, and I don't take it out for medical expenses because I want it to grow tax-free. And so later on down the road in retirement, I'll pull that money out, you mm-hmm. know, for long-term care or something. And I think, I think it's kind of an augs, aug, it augments your retirement plan. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Really, it's what it is. So yeah, if you're healthy enough not to have many health care costs in retirement, you can withdraw the money from your HSA without penalty, use it for anything you want at, uh, when you're age 65 or older. You know, however, you're going to pay income tax on withdrawal so if you don't use it for health care. So why do that? You know, in my opinion, just save it for the real health care issues that are going to come down the road. Because the older you get, the more health care related costs you're going to have. And with Medicare, you know, not being in stellar shape financially, I think we can all count on higher deductibles, higher costs mm-hmm. down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of the triple tax advantages, workers may need to, to revamp their retirement saving strategy, they say. Um, you know, they recommend that people contribute to their retirement plans enough to receive the matching contributions from their employer and then fund their HSAs because they have more tax advantages. So if you qualify for an HSA, you need to take advantage of it. Keep in mind, HSAs have much lower contribution rates than retirement plans in 2017. You could contribute $3,400 to an HSA for an individual or $6,750 for families. Account holders 55 and older can put in an extra $1,000. So there is that catch-up provision. But for 401Ks and other retirement plans, you know, you can contribute up to $18,000 with another $6,000 catch-up provision if you're over 50. So, you know, but they're saying HSAs aren't really crowding that out because people seem to be... In, in contributing to both mm-hmm. if they can. It doesn't seem like people that contribute to HSAs really reduce yeah, their other savings. That's right. I mean, actually, if, if you have a 401k and you're also contributing to an HSA, people are contributing almost 11% of their salary compared to someone just putting money into a 401k, and that was only 8%. Um, so, you know, Fidelity found that 88% of people who opened up an HSA maintained or actually increased their their 401k savings after they enrolled in the HSA. So, yeah, great, great combination. I mean, there's you know, yeah. taking advantage of matches and also having the HSA. Yeah, and I think savings begets savings. I mean, people, mm-hmm. you know, they tend to, if they're savers, they, they'll save everywhere they can. HSA contribution limits um, could increase because there are provisions in the Health uh, American Health Care Act, which passed the House just recently here by narrow vote, um, that will double the contribution limit for HSA accounts and give more flexibility in how you can spend the money in those tax-advantaged accounts. Uh, top senators uh, have said they want to write their own health care law. Um, key lawmakers in the debate are supportive of boosting the benefits of HSAs. Um, even, you know, Orrin Hatch is one of them that's a sponsored legislation earlier this year that would increase HSA, HSA limits um, the same way as the, the Health Care Act that was just passed by the House. 
They say one of their top concerns is HSAs haven't truly been embraced by both sides of the aisle. However, um, they're optimistic that contribution limits for HSAs eventually will be raised. You know, if if Congress, if they miss on the health care bill, there's still tax reform when they could implement that. Yeah, that's right. So, um, you know, flexible spending accounts, that's another type of medical account out there, Steve. In that account, you actually use it or lose it. But HSAs is not like that. You can keep the money in there like we talked about long term. In fact, more than three quarters of HSA account holders they withdraw less than they can contribute, and roughly a quarter of people don't touch the money at all. Um, that's according to, again, studies by Fidelity. Your employer may direct you to sign up with its preferred HSA provider, but if you are you know, already enrolled in a qualified high-deductible health plan, you can choose whatever provider you want. But, you know, you got to look at it as well if they match. If they're matching your HSA contributions, then it probably makes sense to stick with that provider. But, you know, there are choices in the marketplace. Yeah, that's right. And they say roughly 80% of employers give some seed money to workers to fund their HSA accounts, according to Fidelity. And that can come in the form of direct contribution or a dollar-for-dollar match. Um, The average contribution at Fidelity-run plans was $541 last year. Um, If you do receive matching contributions to your HSA, they recommend that you keep um, one HSA with your employer um, to, to get that matching contribution, but then you can open up another one as an investment account yourself and finish funding it, you know, to the max yourself. So you can have more than one account as long as you don't contribute over mm-hmm. that max. Um, uh, but one of the uh, consulting firms for HSAs, Devonair, uh, they estimate about 10% of roughly 20 million HSA account holders have a balance of $5,000 or more. And 4% of people that are using their HSAs as investment plans, um, they're investing it in mutual funds and equity-based you know, it's not many people. Funds. That's not many. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's only four percent. So I'm one of the rare ones here. I'm the one of the twenty five percent that don't touch it. Yeah. And I'm one of the four percent that have it in in stocks or stock based investments. Many HSA providers require that you have at least a thousand dollars in your account before you can invest it. Um, so how should you invest money in HSA? Generally, they say you should have enough in cash in your HSA to cover your medical expenses for the next year or two if you're planning to draw it out. You can put the rest of it, though, in a balanced mutual fund mm-hmm. inside the plan. HSAs, they can travel with you if you change jobs. Um, you can uh, uh, you can comparison shop to over 320 providers. So there's lots of providers out there. And just like any retirement account, fees and investment opinions, uh, options do matter. So you want to check those out, but don't miss out on the best tax advantage accounts on the planet. So make sure you check out HSAs. Yeah, they're good. They're they're good. We we have one. We've had one for a number of years as well. And yeah, we view it as an investment account for the future. I mean, exactly. You know. Exactly. It's got great tax benefits. Yeah, so. no doubt. All right. And that leads us up here to our prescription of the week. Question? Question, question? of the week. Sorry. We can do, do prescription. Question. I know you're interested in no, doing no. that one. No, no. We save that for the end. Okay. All right. All right. So this one has to do with taxes. We get, we're not CPAs. Uh, we know a lot about taxes, but we always certainly lean on our CPA friends out there. But um, this question is, is how, how much taxes will I owe if I pull money from my individual brokerage account. So, you know, not a lot of information and details there, but first of all, if you have gains, so let's use an example. Let's say you have $10,000 that you put in and now it's worth $15,000. You would have a $5,000 gain 
and there would be some tax due on that amount. Uh, it depends on how long you hold it, right? Long term or short term. Right. Short term, it would be taxed at ordinary income rates. Long term would be at 15%. Now, there's some other for caveats people, in there for yeah. most people. They're, they're, if you're in the 15% or lower tax bracket, then there's zero. Right, right. Yeah, so that's a great deal if you're in a 15% bracket, which that covers a lot of people. It does, it really that's does. That's a gross income of upwards, upwards of 97000 or so mm-hmm. for a married couple. Um, that leaves you in a 15% bracket. So, I mean, you can get money out without any taxes if that's the case. So, but still 15% is a pretty good deal too. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a lot lower than ordinary income. So, uh, you yeah. can, you can also gift those gains, right? If you have, if you're, if you're, exactly. uh, give money to a charitable, charitable organization, you can take that security and, and gift it. So there's a lot of different strategies. Always recommend, Work with a CPA, CPA on that. If you have questions specifically, we can help you as well and help you determine what that is. Exactly. Okay. Good question of the week. That leads up to our next topic here, and that is how will early retirement affect your Social Security? Well, it depends, right? It depends on how early you retire. It always depends, doesn't it? Yeah, that's right. You know, a lot of adults certainly look forward to retirement and uh, somewhat mind leaving the workforce ahead of schedule. But few people think about the drawbacks of retiring early and, and few realize that an early retirement may affect their long-term financial plan and, and their access to certain benefits. So we're going to take a look at Social Security here and, and go into some details. Some of this is pretty basic, but there's some good information in here. Most people know that you can get uh, Social Security at age 62. That's right. the earliest point. Um, but the earlier you elect to receive your benefits, the smaller your monthly checks will be. And so to receive your full benefits, you'll have to avoid collecting Social Security until you get to full or normal retirement age. And for folks that were born in 1960 or later, that is age 67. So if you're born before, you know, 1960, it's a little bit less than that. But, you know, 66, 67 is when you can start tapping that. Yeah, that's right. And if you decide to retire early, you have the option of delaying Social Security benefits, of course. Um, And that strategy may work particularly well for married couples. So how much you receive from Social Security, though, is the question you know, if you're wondering how much you'll get from Social Security, you can check out on their website um, at ssa.gov. Mm-hmm. They have a Social Security calculator there, and they also can pull up your real benefit statement. Um, and it'll estimate, you know, how much you'll get depending on your annual income, uh, the year you were born, and when you choose to start receiving benefits. Um, but it's based on your 35 years of highest earnings. Mm-hmm. So. You know, if you retire early, you're kind of cutting off some of those peak earning years. Could be. It it definitely may affect your Social Security. Yeah, and so that's how the Social Security Administration comes up with your average uh, monthly indexed uh, earnings is they look at the 35 years of of highest earnings. And if you retire too early, um, to your point, Steve, you, you could receive less Social Security. I mean, that's the downside to an early retirement. And also by retiring early, you'll miss out on the chance to claim, you know, these delayed retirement credits. So if your full retirement age is 67, but you don't take it, you can actually push it back to age 70, and then you can claim 124% of that full monthly amount. So, you know, you don't have to take it at 67. You can wait and, and try to maximize it at age 70. And for some people, they have to do that. They don't have a choice. But doing some planning around this area, you know, it will help out and help secure your financial side. Yeah, so it's an extra 24% if your normal retirement age is 67, if you delay all the way to age 70. If your normal retirement age is 66, like people retiring today are, if they're that age, then I think it's an extra 32% Mm -hmm, of benefit mm -hmm. by delaying to age 70. 
So, uh, you know, it gets a pretty nice increase. So let's take a closer look at how early retirement could reduce the size of your Social Security check. If you retire early, your benefits get reduced by five-ninths of 1% for each month that you collect Social Security before your full retirement age, up to three years. If you retire more than three years early, then your Social Security benefit will be reduced by another five-twelfths of 1%. Um, so, you know, it gets down to some details there, but yeah. you know, it's reduced by about seven and a half percent a yeah, year, I right, believe, all right. that's, when you that's, add it all up. That's a good estimate. So you want to make sure you understand those numbers. And, you know, sometimes people leave the workforce, um, you know, they want to work part-time jobs to earn extra money, but, you know, getting a part-time job after retiring early, it may reduce your social security benefit amount until you reach your full retirement age. And the reason is, is, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but the Social Security Administration, they can withhold a certain amount of money from your benefit check if your earnings exceed the annual limit. For, so, for example, 2017, your benefits will be reduced by $1 for every $2 you earn above $16,920. Hmm, right? Almost $17,000. That's right. right. So if you, if you reach full retirement age in 2017, your benefits will be reduced a dollar for every $3 you earn above $44,880 up until the month you turn 67. So this is this is complicated, a lot of numbers here. It is. Um, but the Social Security Administration, they don't penalize workers forever. You'll receive all those benefits the government withheld um, from you once you reach your full retirement age and the, the SSA recalculates your benefit amount. So your, your payment would be adjusted at that point. Yeah, so it's not really like they've taken away half right. your Social Security. They basically have delayed your retirement. They've, they've pushed... They're starting to, they're pushing your Social Security out, your mm-hmm. benefit, but so your benefit does go up later. Yes, right. As a result, you get it back. You get it back. So it's, it's not like you're totally lost that money forever if you, if you mess that up. So, um, but yeah, I mean, too, too many early retirees, uh, do affect their Social Security, um, or you can, you know, regardless of when you retire, you'll receive around the same amount of Social Security benefits over the course of your lifetime if you live to a normal life mm-hmm. expectancy. Mm-hmm. Because they have that calculated out pretty closely. And this is due to the cost of living adjustments that attempt to protect seniors from inflation. So in other words, Social Security balances itself out. Early retirees receive a lower benefit over their longer period of time, while late retirees receive larger benefits over a shorter period of time. You know, retiring early does not affect the Social Security program's finances because the amount of benefits available does not depend on how early or late somebody retires. It's, you know, basically if yeah. you live to a normal life expectancy, about 83 to 85, you'll get the same benefits. Yeah. If you started, if you early started or late. earlier or late, that's what it boils down to. Yeah, that's right. So it's so a bottom line here, Steve is, you know, not everybody can retire early, but if you're preparing to quit your job before you reach your full retirement age, it really is important to think about how, you know, your Social Security checks are going to be changed and, and going through some planning. And if you have a spouse and understanding their situation as well. So if you can wait to take Social Security, you're going to end up with, with larger checks. You're basically deferring that money for the future. But whatever you choose, you know, make sure that it's it's kind of coordinated with a um, with a retirement plan. So Social Security is one portion of that. Some people are fortunate enough to have uh, pensions, right? And then if you have saved well, your investment balance can also provide income. Yeah, and I will say too, I mean, Social Security is very complicated. It it seems simple on the surface, you know, retire at 62 or 67 or 70. 
And but it's when you start boiling it down, there's a lot of complicated nuances to it, <clears throat> such as, you know, if you're for for couples, um, when one spouse passes away, their survivor gets the higher of the two benefits. Mm-hmm. So if one benefit is a lot bigger than the other one, then it behooves you to delay the higher the higher benefit and draw the these lower benefit earlier mm-hmm. right. because you're looking at two life expectancies, right? So there's complicated things like that that you have to think about. The average person probably doesn't have the you know the, the experience the, the experience yeah. and the details to be able to make those decisions. So you really ought to seek some advice. I think when it comes to drawing Social Security benefits, because it, it gets a little complicated. And then there's the spousal benefit where the spouse can draw roughly a half of what what the other spouse, if you draw off of them. So even if they're not qualified for Social Security, even if they don't have enough credits. Um, so, you know, a lot of times spouses that stayed home, mm-hmm. you know, and didn't work, they can still draw half of their spouse's benefit. Right. But you can't draw until your other spouse is drawing. That's right. Right. So there's just there's a lot of these nuances. It, you know, retirement planning can get complicated and Social Security is a big piece of that complication. It is. So, you know, you need to need to touch base with somebody. We'd be happy to talk to you. It's probably Uncle Tom probably wouldn't be a good person to get advice. Exactly. You know, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, just you know. the, the, the tips at the dinner party. Yeah, kind of right. Thing. Be careful you, with that. You don't want to follow too much of that because it can be it can be very convoluted inaccurate information you're getting there you go <laughs> okay Come to the money doctors that's right okay so this leads us up here to our last thing and that is the prescription of the week yeah this is the one that you wanted to do earlier this is very simple um and it doesn't necessarily help your finances but it may help someone else right right and it is to be generous when when tipping if possible so if right. you think about most waiters and waitresses they they earn like two bucks an hour yeah, and so many of them. A lot of them are young people. They are. Or they just don't. You know, they're really dependent on that income. So, so if they do a good job, I mean, the, the recommended, um, you know, minimum is fifteen percent, and twenty percent right. is preferable. But you know, sometimes we'll go into a, a location, and you can tell someone's having a bad day, or you can just just get a feeling, and you can you can give more. Um, you know, if you have a twenty dollar tab, give them an extra twenty bucks. It may help them and make their day. So um, just a thought, just, you know, be generous. If you're able to, to be generous, tipping is a neat way to impact people's you know lives that are out there working. They're busting it. They have to deal with us, right? Right, right. As consumers coming in there and demanding all these things all the time. And so, they have um, to work terrible hours. Yeah, they do. Restaurants. You they know, do. I, so. I used to be a waiter many, many years ago. Did I did it for a summer, yes, and I had a lot more respect for them after going through that. So tipping can be a way to give. Right, right. And more than just restaurants, it could be. Oh, absolutely. You know, getting your hair cut or wherever. Yeah, right, right. Uber drivers, you know, cab drivers. Okay, well, good and good prescription of the week. Okay, and that leads us to a close of this week's edition of Money MD. But do tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Do check us on our website, moneymd.net. Email us your questions. You can email us at info at moneymd.net or you can give us a call, Richard Young Associates, 706 739 0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one. Material in this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartFester Pros for customer service only and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Associates, a registered investment advisor.